Um, we could walk through the Aylesbury. Yeah, sure. We could marvel at it. I, I actually love that kind of enormity architecture. So Is this place amazing. famous in London? Uh, I, yeah, not famous, but it's one of the. Well, I suppose one of the more well-known massive estates. Yeah. Infamous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's quite a famous Netflix TV show that was filmed here, Top Boy. Do you it, know of it? And this thing appears there. Yeah. Actually, no, no, you are right. It is notorious because uh, Channel 4, one of our kind of flagship TV stations, it's um, their kind of opening sequence before every TV show was a kind of shot of the balconies. Uh -huh. And they, they edited the video to make it look more run down than it actually was. So they just uh -huh. had dirty clothes fluttering everywhere. and it looked off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the council at one point actually said, we can't have anyone else film here because everything is just all the programs you produce are just fucking gang related and violent and and is it real is it really a gang gang um, place i don't think it's as bad anymore but it certainly had a rep i think woolworth in general had much higher crime rates like a couple of decades ago so tell me tom we can start Tell me if I ask if I ask you as an employment and as an employee, you know, like, so Mr. Towers, who are you? <laughs> well, who are you? How old are you? Where are you from? And uh, what do you do? Let's start with those three things. Okay, those are quite manageable. Uh, my name is Tom, as we've already established. I'm uh, 27, which is a very scary age I suppose um, and I'm a journalist for a, for a terrible newspaper but also one of the least evil newspapers in the country which is a, a plus I suppose and uh, yeah I'm just at a weird stage in my life where I uh, I feel like it's time to commit to a certain way of living or a certain career but I think that's just rooted in my neuroses and I need to fucking chill out basically but I'm not entirely sure how I'm how to chill out yeah I'm trying to kind of figure out a way at the moment but you mean mentally chill out yeah yeah like don't don't go into a train of thought that will just like accelerate and cause you some anxiety or something like that? Yeah, exactly. I think I'm just... Even when things are going fine and nothing is actually objectively wrong in my life, there's always just a voice in the back of my head going, what are you doing with your life at the moment, you know? And it's... I suppose I'm trying to get to a place where that voice no longer exists but then I know that it probably will exist forever and I just need to kind of deal with that but I haven't yet do you feel you, know you have I mean? like a like a childhood dream that you are not accomplishing or something like that no that's the weird thing because I <laughs> it's gonna sound a bit sad I suppose but I've never really had dreams or, me neither or aspirations no me neither to um, be honest I am so jealous of the people who do yeah yeah because yeah, they they'll always have this kind of you know grand purpose or at least something to chase but i've always just kind of floated around really and not to say that my life has been purposeless or anything but 
I've never really had something I'm super passionate about that I'll devote hours every day chasing it. Um, yeah, so... Why did you study journalism? <laughs> um, again, it's going to sound a bit... Uh, a bit um, cynical, I suppose, but it wasn't because I had a passion for it per se. It was more the... Ooh, a car. Intermission. <laughs> it was more that I was decent at writing and presenting information in a certain way, I guess, and journalism was, you know, a means of utilizing that skill and making money. So, yeah, well, when the course started, I met loads of people who uh, had this passion for journalism, which stupidly I didn't really anticipate. <laughs> I just thought everyone was in it for, you know, the qualification. You thought everybody yeah. else was there, like, the fact, the foul, no? Just yeah. Like, ah, I just don't know here. <laughs> I, you know, I just, I like words. Yeah, so that kind of weirded me out. But, um, I don't know, but I, I don't, equally, I don't, despite the fact I'm not in a job I love, I don't regret doing the course. Um, I think just having, an, yeah, having a career in itself is quite comforting. You mean like a, a diploma, a, um, a degree? It, well, the qualification is useful in itself, but more just kind of having having a certain amount of experience within a certain field is, mm -hmm. is comforting. Know that you're good at something. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It, um, even if you view your job as trivial and a bit stupid like I do. Which is, that, well, two things. First of all, um, not everybody, I mean, you're in journalism, which in theory is not trivial. But I, we, exactly. can, we can talk yeah, a little yeah, bit more yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But the second thing is that did you enjoy the process of studying it? Uh, yes. I don't mean the I don't mean working on it, but the process of studying. Did you enjoy it? I, I did uh, to a large extent, but a lot of the course was um, taken up by shorthands. I don't know if you're aware of shorthand. No, I have no idea what is that. It's essentially. It's a method of a method of taking notes with a different a different written language basically. You condense words, you eliminate vowels, and you write in squiggles, which you can understand, and it basically means you can take notes very quickly. Mm -hmm. But um and it's still it's still a part of loads of journalism courses, despite the fact that computers have made typing very easy anyway. So the only journalists it's useful for Uh, court reporters and reporters who are literally, I don't know, who were on the street interviewing someone and don't have any other recourse. They have to just note down very quickly. Yeah, street reporters without a cell phone to record. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, <laughs> which happens maybe once every, I don't know, yeah. 10 years. Um, so that was super depressing and it took up something like three hours every day. It was insane. But... Uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed the rest of the course. Um, broke down the structure of storytelling, I suppose, which was super interesting. Media law, which is uh, horrendously complicated, but I'd always wanted to know about it. And um, uh, yeah, it's just uh, quite a fascinating profession, I guess. And why do you feel now, why do you feel if it is Well, how, what's the word that you use? Not to say, you didn't say superfluous, but like uh, meaningless. Superficial. Superficial. Yeah, well, 
I don't know if I'd stretch them meaningless, but certainly trivial, but... Trivial, that's yeah. the word you see used. Um, I don't know, working for any tabloid is inevitably going to be a bit depressing because you have to treat your readers like idiots and you, you're limited with this very strange, very parochial vocabulary which no one would fucking ever use in real life. Um, like an example, give an example, because you work on a tabloid, we established this. I, the word slams. <laughs> the word slams features in every 10 headlines. Slams is probably. like favela thing, no? No, slams is when you criticize someone. <laughs> but you can't uh, use the word criticize. You slam someone. You've got to slam someone. Okay. And <laughs> so something like slams, the word Brits, no one ever used the word fucking Brits. But if you're writing an article about people fucking, I don't know, tourists being stranded in Spain, you've got to say Brits. The Brits like um, Britons. Britons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. from Britain. Um, you don't say Brits here? I mean, I, I think I've heard it. might do, but the tabloids use it every single story and it drives me insane. Yeah. Um, if, a, if a child dies, <laughs> they're not a child, they're a tragic tot. <laughs> because tot is short for toddler. And just stuff like that, which I just, yeah, trivializes human life basically, and um, uh, it, because they're motivated, because they're driven by a need to make money and to generate as much traffic as possible online. You just have to write, you know, relentless clickbait and stories which have no news value but will still do very well online. So no, no research, no long term. Uh, um, approach. Yeah, it's possible. It's just it, it's incumbent on reporters to actually uh, to come forward with ideas and to justify taking a lot of time researching certain topics. And it's very hard to do that if your readers only care about I don't know tragic tots and <laughs> sex robots. You know, in a, in a way you are in a, you are in a you are a cliche because tabloids are like. I mean, there's tabloids everywhere in the world now, mm. but they're known for being British originally. No, oh, I really? Well, at least I kind of relate them. Like the oh, British tabloids had a reputation, even with <laughs> Diana, you know, and and like her relation right. with tabloids and everything. It's like I, I remember listening about British tabloids longer and, and since a lo longer time than anywhere else. No, now we have them everywhere. It's for sure. When do you think they started? cropping up everywhere why i think they started cropping up everywhere because because they are easy mm. probably it's a good question and also i think there is a certain design of of um keeping a population like instead of educating a population you just feed them with these easy things that makes them react and it's like popcorn yeah. Or like junk food, you know. Yeah, it's just easier. But uh, I also think that people consume them because they want it. It's it's a hard habit to break. Mm. It's a hard habit to break. You know, I had a friend who worked in a tabloid in Mexico, and for her it was a combination in that it was super fun because she always had to learn how to see some 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 fun in tragedy, and yeah. and you know, and yeah. a certain cynic cynicism develops and at the same time depressing kind of like what you're saying no but why did you say you said something interesting you said you think is one of the less 
less e uh, this, this least evil tabloids. Exactly, yeah, yeah. or or newspaper. You said newspaper. Oh, um, maybe maybe not newspaper. Yeah, I'll take that back. Tabloid. Okay. <laughs> the least evil tabloid. No, because I was like, huh. I, I think because it's the most stupid newspaper, the most trivial. For that reason, it's essentially apolitical, uh -huh. and because of that, a paper like I don't know, the Sun or the Mail. Um, will often produce very yeah, xenophobic or racist stories to try and, you know, whip up its readers into a frenzy. Whereas the star just kind of goes, politicians are ridiculous, we don't care, we're not going to write about this. Have yeah. you seen this alien? <laughs> yeah. So, while it's often, you know, responsible for very lazy journalism, it's very rare you'll see a star story which is immoral. I would say. And now well, the, I could be biased. And now the crazy thing is that, well, I don't know if it was already like this before, but you have to write the stories from your house. You don't even... You don't Whoop. even... You don't even go out. I mean, maybe when you study, you thought you will be like going out more like Clark Kent with your glasses. <laughs> well, I, this is perhaps the most embarrassing thing to admit for me. But I've never heard a journalist confess to this, so it'd probably be quite interesting. When I, when I did my course, because I had zero interest, well, not zero interest, but because I didn't have this passion for journalism, I was, uh, was kind of hopeful when I got my first job that it would be easy, that it would be confined to a desk and that I wouldn't be, you know, challenged to go out and find, and find stories because I, I didn't really care about journalism and yeah. I, I was doing it for the money. I was good at writing. I wasn't necessarily good at carrying out interviews or finding stories. So when I got my first jobs at the tabloids, I was actually quite thankful for that, which, which I wonder how many journalists have the same mindset but won't confess to. But having been in the sector for, I don't know, four or five years now, I have become better at finding stories, at interviewing people, at producing, you know, original decent content. And now I feel the opposite in that I have this kind of this passion for journalism has actually developed. It's, yeah, it's grown inside me. I do actually kind of love it, but I now hate the job which I <laughs> originally kind of idealized, which is weird. Now, I mean, you mean at the beginning you idealized the idea of being at a desk and yeah. not having to get out? Yeah. And now you are stuck there and you're sick of it. Yeah, and, and I you hate, actually want to go out. And, and I hate my older self. Uh. Well, it will come, I'm sure. Wow, this is a nice store. Whoa, what's going on in there? Antiques. Jesus. Royal. That's a cannon. Cheesy antiques. Wow. So you're saying that um, <clears throat> you're in a moment where you are struggling not to, to slow down. No, to slow down your mind, which is kind of, I guess, um, how everybody is. Everybody's dealing with it in a different way. Yeah. But we, we all have to be uh, inside now. And there is this feeling of <coughs> stuck where you are, get, stay where you are, be thankful for what you have and don't make any waves. <laughs> yeah. No? Well, it's, again, kind of embarrassing for me to admit, but... Um... <laughs> I've actually been a lot more content during lockdown than I was before. You have been more what? Content during lockdown. You, why? Um, 
I had a mediocre year in 2019. Um, several of my really close friends left London. I was doing this really shitty commute into the office, waking up super early or going in super late for a job I didn't particularly love. Um, my social life was kind of suffering. Um, I moved house a month before lockdown. Moved in with a couple of mates. The commute was obviously eliminated and I've been sleeping a lot better. I've had more time to kind of reflect um, and take care of myself, I guess. But that, I think that's a lot of people who are actually benefiting yeah. from lockdown. They are actually saying, hey, this is not so bad. Yeah, no, definitely. No. It just, it feels like a... The problem is that you don't have a lot of, of margin to change it, probably. Yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously one of the more negative consequences is its impact on the job market. There's just nothing to apply for at the moment. Exactly. People are just trapped or, I mean, I was very nearly made redundant, uh, six or seven months ago and yeah, let's, we cross here, we can yeah, cross sure. here and then go through the park. Yeah. And tell me, do you, do you ride your own, your own stuff or do you have ideas to ride your own stuff? Yeah. Because um, that actually will be the way to break out of a circle, no? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I kind of, I produce original stories every week. We're required to every weekend. Uh, I have considered going freelance recently, but to make that work, you need to have this kind of enormous bank of contacts and endless ideas mm -hmm. and you need to be able to embrace the risk. And I don't think that many journalists are capable of being successful freelancers. So yeah. it's always terrified me, but should we go in here? Yeah. It has become, no, I think it's certainly actually, become more appealing. I think to have a salary when you're a journalist, it's a dream. <laughs> yeah, man, to have a permanent contract is I've been a, I've been a freelance for years. And yeah. to think about having a permanent contract, a permanent contract is yeah. just oh, so appealing in a certain way. Yeah, man. Which of course also means that you have to take sh shit that you don't want to do. No. Yeah. It's a really nice park. What's the name of this park? Burgess, my friends. What? Burgess Park. Burgess Park. There's a primary school. There's a, a body of water. That's a primary see. school right there. Secondary, I think. So, wow, it's a really good spot for yeah, us. Yeah, man. There's also a house right behind it, uh -huh. which is stunning. I, I really enjoy this in London. They have so many parks and the layout of the city is so open. I think there's very few cities that I that I can remember that have this many green areas yeah. sp uh, splashed all ar around there. No, it is great. Yeah, it but, just um, relaxes everything. It does, but nature in cities to me has always felt like a lie. You are touching it true. It's true, exactly. <laughs> it is, it is too, too perfect. Yeah. Too clean. And you just know that behind you there's a road or yeah. a mass of people. It's like a fake silence too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's true. But people need it, man. Yeah, no, no. I'm still glad it exists. Because just... you're, you're a Londoner. Londoner, you say? But you grew up in the countryside, kind of, no? Well, I was born in London and then moved to the countryside when I was nine and then moved back to London when I was 20, 22 after uni. So all your sweet teenage years, you had freedom, <laughs> you had space. Yeah, man. 
That silence. No, the, the change when I moved was incredible. I, I was only nine and yet I was so cognizant of how much more freedom I had and you know, how much, yeah, how much open space there was and just how much happier I was. Like growing up in a city, I don't know if this is every kid's experience, but I found it just inherently very stressful and just a bit gray, just too intense being surrounded by millions of people every day. Not the uh, one. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe as an adult, at least you can put it in words and understand it. Exactly, yeah. But as a kid, you just don't get it. Mom. <laughs> yeah, go <laughs> to my room. I want to ride a pony. <laughs> you want to ride a pony. Yeah. Hey, Thomas, do you want to tell people how do we met each other? How do we meet each other? Yeah. Well, well, I was very poor. <laughs> I didn't want to pay for a hostel. <laughs> so, um... I stayed with Igor's cousin. You went into couch surf, yeah. Yeah, my cousin, I yeah, stayed yeah. with his cousin in Guanajuato. And his lovely wife or girlfriend's wife? Girlfriend. Girlfriend for a roller coaster four days. And uh, that was in Guanajuato, four days. It was, yeah. And I told him, hey, I'm really poor and I don't want to pay for accommodation. Do you know anyone in San Luis? And he said, yeah, I got this cousin Igor. He's a bit of a dick, but here's his number. Um, my mate and I went to San Luis. Uh, we stayed in the hostel for some reason. I can't remember why. The next day, my friend had a very bad food poisoning. And uh, I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, hey, I know whose toilet he can use. And, uh, <laughs> I gave Igor a call. And uh, yeah, we've uh, been lovers ever since. But here you're leaving out the most interesting part of the story. What were you doing in Guanajuato? What, what were why, why, why were you there, you London boy? Oh, oh. Wait, London boy. <laughs> you just go Indian? Uh, a little bit. <laughs> I know. I've been told here in, in, in England that it's, it's racist oh, to do that. I, but I, I learned English so. in India, so yeah, I don't give a yeah, shit. That's my right. first standard of English. Oh, and well, I yeah. like it. Yeah, it just depends on the intent, doesn't it? If you're yeah. doing it in a loving way, then who gives a fuck? Um, I was traveling through Mexico with my friend Connor. Um, that was month six, I think, it's of my exactly journey. Exactly the thing. Six months travel. Yeah. Like that's that starts to be a real travel, you yeah, know. Yeah, man. You take time. But I learned nothing. Nah, you learn Spanish <laughs> first of all. No. See, see. Uh, and uh, I guess in a way also I think that's important because I guess in a way all the feelings that you're feeling now are kind of like maybe like. Um, hangover of that experience of freedom no don't you think it's related in a way yeah potentially but then towards the end of traveling a large part of me did want more structure in my life uh, a job <laughs> um, somewhere permanent to live but then the grass is always greener in it now I'm actually now I do have that structure I'd I wish I didn't. You're wishing you, you had the freedom again. Yeah, I wish I was in Eagle's toilet. <laughs> um, I don't have that apartment anymore. Now, oh. now I'm the one homeless traveling and, and, and seeking for, for a stability. You know? <laughs> the tables have turned. Yeah, the tables have turned. Do you want my job and I'll take your relatives in Mexico? Well, I don't know how it will be to do their job. You know, I really wonder. I, I, I dream about having a job where I have to write. So mm. in, in that sense, that's interesting. Uh, 
on the other hand it is i mean i always find very hard to write i enjoy it mm. but it is an exercise of of like squeezing your your creative your, your creative juices. juice and your will to just sit down there and do yeah. it because it's so easy like to stand out to stand up and it's so easy to stand up and just leave and do something else there's other kind of jobs where you're kind of more aware of of the product of your effort mm. writing is invisible and then it also requires you to isolate from the world yeah to do definitely. it definitely so i think you're overestimating tabloid writing there yeah you think, <laughs> think yeah definitely i think obviously the more respected broadsheet journalists do need to require that kind of concentrated approach but tabloid journalists some of my colleagues are illiterate man it's it's shocking and the vast majority of the job online is rewriting other copy rewriting agency stories mm -hmm. or stories from rival websites so it, yeah i mean you you can't be a bad writer but what actually no no i take that back you can be a bad writer there are, there are good journalists who can you know find amazing stories interview famous celebrities and yet just they can't communicate yeah but you've got a kind of I suppose you've just got to accept that. Do you like how you write? Uh, I do, but in a way, I think it's become worse. <laughs> working for, working for. I can't. I'm not, I can't even say it out loud because there are people here working for the tabloids. Yeah. <laughs> um, you are. It's something that you are like socially ashamed to admit in a reunion um, here. I work for a tabloid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not ashamed, but. Don't worry, we'll just put this online, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Not a shame, more humiliate, no. <laughs> more cautious, I guess, because you never know who's been stung by a tabloid, you know? Uh -huh. Maybe that woman's had her phone hacked, or maybe that guy's, I don't know, been photographed taking a piss on the Queen. You can never be sure. Well, that's what I told you. It's a part of British culture, in a way. I think more yeah. than other places. Yeah, no, I'd never thought of that. I kind of, I just assumed tabloids reflected humans' baser instincts. And well, they do. Just kind of popped up everywhere at the same time. But, they definitely do. But maybe not. They definitely do everywhere. But mm. uh, I think there is. It's um. It's um. Maybe there was other ways to reflect this before, and and as journalism has struggled because mm. of internet and everything, because that's the true journalism is a tradition of reporting and investigating that comes from another time from a time where yeah. information was harder to get yeah definitely. where coherence of on the on 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 facts didn't exist you had to create it yeah, yeah, yeah. but you could create it because there was more silence around and now you have an overflow of data you know yeah and it's just yeah, all yeah. disarticulated and, and 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 what remains it's either like super mega serious top new york times washington post yeah. awarded journalists who are the last ones of their kind mm. like dinosaurs or mammoths or the little little offsprings that are that are either fake news web pages conspiracy theories or 
or, or tabloids, would you, you still, in a tabloid, as I understand, on the side of traditional truth? You still have to research if what you're saying is true. Isn't it true? Isn't yes. It? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no? It's, it's suspicious that I pause there, isn't it? Um, yeah. It is true, but obviously there's a, there's a tradition within those newspapers to... I'll put it this way. I, um, I did an interview a few years ago at the newspaper I worked for. And uh, it, was, it was with a man who had a bionic penis. Actually, even that's an exaggeration. He, had, he, had a pe he lost his penis in a My car. My eyes just went, <laughs> <laughs> he, he lost his penis in a car accident. Uh -huh. And doctors created this kind of mold that he was able to pump up. Uh -huh. And uh, he was able to, could he ejaculate? I can't remember. He was basically able to use it. It gave him sexual pleasure because they transplanted actual cells. That was my it. question. Like, that he felt something? He like? felt something, yeah. But I don't think he could ejaculate. Let me let me get back to you. I'll give him a ring. Uh -huh. um, and I I interviewed him or at the request of my boss about his life and how it was going, and it was incredibly dull. And I kind of told him, look, I've interviewed this man with a penis, but I, nothing's new, man. I, I'm going to abandon it. He took me into a room. He was furious, <laughs> and he said, "This stays between these four walls, but we can contort, twist." And manipulate the truth as much as we want in this office. You were told that. Yeah, by a very senior editor who's since been sacked. And at that point, I decided I'm going to go traveling. Ah, <laughs> yeah. It was like your disappointment moment. Yeah. Huh? Fuck this. And uh, I mean, he represented the old tabloid tradition of just not really giving a fuck, of just, of just basically telling lies because they sold newspapers and. I think that tradition has certainly died out a bit, but I think there's still this innate tendency to oh, twist things, certainly, to exaggerate things, or at least misrepresent so well, you can get close. I guess I understand him in a way. Like, you have the story of a bionic penis. Mm. You cannot make a doll. It's like, dude, we're not going to let this story go, you know? <laughs> How many times do you think we're going to get it? We're going to pump it into that, end up in a story like this, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was kind of quite inexperienced at that point, and I thought I could just... I thought I could be realistic and honest, but no, editors didn't like that. They just want, they just want headlines. That, that's the thing. I think there is... We, we live in a, in a system, in many ways, in politics and in professions, maybe mm. in journalism more, but where a certain level of mediocrity... Mediocreness? Mediocrity. Mediocrity, yeah. Mediocrity is awarded or it's it, it's like the, the the key to make it deeper and higher into the system I see it in so many things and people who don't want to do it they have to go either two ways they go the freelance way and they struggle the shit out of it their everything and, and they eventually might do it or they just stand out and leave space for somebody else and they end up having a coffee shop <laughs> you know, or yeah, every coffee shop is run by a fair Yeah, or no, but not only. I mean, I, I mean, I, I am talking about photographers, yeah, musicians, yeah, yeah. politicians. You know, yeah. In every aspect, I see that there is people who believe, and 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 they have, in a way, they have to compromise. They always have oh, to definitely. compromise. I mean, it's just about playing the game, isn't it? It's about satisfying superiors and superiors you don't even often know what's best for the company or you aren't even thinking about the future of journalism or photography or long-term politics it's just 
they're also trying to appease a higher power i suppose i guess it's very very superficial it's very like short term no yeah definitely definitely yeah no, you see that in so many industries and it's uh very disillusioning one of the many reasons i We'll probably leave journalism very soon. Yeah, what do you think? Watch this, watch you, well, apart from the coffee shop, what else do you think you could be doing soon? <laughs> um, like, what do you, you know, first, sorry for the interruption, but you know, 27, 28, it's supposed to be a really important age of transition. Have oh you God, heard that? Don't say that. Do you heard that? No? Um, I mean, I've assumed it, but I've never heard anyone... I've probably heard someone say it. There, there is sure. a certain level of theory about it that it's called Saturn. The Saturn, right. because according to this, I guess, astrological condition, <laughs> we live by, by, by uh, eight uh, years, no, by... Yes. Cycles? Exactly. We live by cycles of seven years uh, especially men but it's for everybody but when you're seven you get out of your first childhood when you are 14 you leave your second childhood <coughs> when you're 21 you leave your adolescence at teenage years mm. and when you're 28 you end your first round as an adult mm. you're still young you're still fresh You're still full of energy, but you are not this naive newcomer rookie anymore. I like the way you're phrasing it. There's no uh, no negativity or fear there, which is nice. I mean, there is a lot of dissolutions. For me, in, I am a little bit older than you, and my 20s was the age of disappointment. Mm. For sure. Yeah. I, 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 oh yes. Late 20s, mids? Uh, oh, my 20s. <laughs> oh, okay, I will cool. say that around your age is the moment I started to feel more tranquil. You say tranquil? Tranquil. 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 Tranquilo. 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 No, I started to feel more, more at peace, no? Right. Because I felt less pressure. <sighs> Uh, mm. I, I think I felt a lot of pressure to be an adult, <laughs> you know, yeah, definitely, man. to man up when I was like 21. It's like, I have to be responsible and I'm do the shit. I'm a man of the house. Uh -huh, or like pay the shit and have enough. And, and at that certain moment, I was like, oh, okay. Big chicks, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, too, no? Like, yeah. live life right, fast, fast, though. And also, I think I started to feel a little <sighs> bit, as you said at the beginning of this conversation, I had some skills that I had already kind of solidified. Like, okay, I'm not good at many things, but these two things, I'm starting to become good. Yeah. You said about, about having a, a career. And I, I guess that it's something that you don't, um, you can be very talented naturally, but unless you have time and experience in something and, and you can measure yourself, you don't, you don't actually like, The, 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 the peace doesn't sink in, no? The knowledge of the confidence mm. doesn't sink in. So that, that age where you are, it's supposed to be an age of, of transition also. And I'm in the next one, by the way. I'm in Jupiter. I'm in, I'm in 30, 35, 36, which is the next, the next seven years uh, cycle. How's it going? Uh, well, I'm lost in England 
<laughs> with, immune. With no, with, with no, with no, no plants, but immune. I'm immune now. Yeah, exactly. All those antibodies. Yeah, we're both antibodies. We became, yeah. we become immune at the same time. Antibodies. <laughs> no, yeah, actually, we we got sick oh. together. I probably got you sick. Yeah. And you I got did. the you got the bug, the COVID bug. It was all worth it. Uh, at the same time, I did. As, as all your roommates yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and now we are, we are immune and invincible and we're never gonna die oh yeah six months <laughs> and <laughs> eternity eternity this year yeah. no but it, I, I, I come back to the question like how do you start to imagine yourself if it's not in the pro you know it's not where you are so where do you imagine yourself going back to that what would you like to be your life in the next years i'd like to have zero goals and to be okay with that yeah, that's pretty in the i'd like to be able to just exist and ignore societal expectations or pressures and just do my own thing because i think my entire life i've pretty much uh, i suppose in a sense i've tried to I've tried to meet my parents' expectations in a way. They've never, should get on here, they've never been explicit and said, you need to get a job, son, or you need to be making this much money. But I've always kind of thought, I, I, I need to follow this path or I need to study this course or whatever. And I don't know, even when I went traveling, which was kind of a spontaneous mental, very long trip, there was still this nagging sensation pretty much the entire time where I was just thinking, am I wasting my time? What am I going to do when I get back? My career is going to be ruined. Ah, and just losing my shit, you know? Yeah. And I would just like to... I think it's a very logical way to live your life because aside from immediate family, I suppose, no one really cares about, you know... You. Yeah. yeah, people obviously care about you in a in an emotional sense, and you know, friends, family, whatever. We need to be emotionally stable and okay, but no one's. Oh God, you saved my life. <laughs> but no one's, you know, no one's grading your life. No one is like have a list and it's like, yeah. how is Tom doing? Yeah, you mm. scored. You failed. Six out of ten. Yeah. You gotta start again. No know? one remembers if you did an awkward scene with a girl once yeah. when you were 22. Yeah. And yeah. if they are great in your life, oh, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, no, fucking get a life. Yeah. They say that in English too, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'd just like to, I'd, I'd honestly, I, I don't want to say by the age of 30 I want a family or I want this salary or I want this job. I just want to be. It's very easy to say I want to be happy, but not happy, but I want to be more balanced, I guess. I don't know what the word is. Mm -hmm. More more open to uncertainty and change, maybe. Oof, sounds like you want to travel again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I do actually. I do want to travel, but then there's a voice in my head just going, oh, 27, you know, you're advancing your career, what are you doing? Can't go traveling again. I hate that voice. Yeah. But is that voice right? I don't know. Everybody has it, you know? Yeah. Everybody has it. 
but what we kind of assume is normal and it's us yeah it's a yeah, fucking yeah, trap yeah, sure and and i totally get it man i totally understand for me it's the same it's always this idea of life is finishing and you what have you yeah. done yeah, 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 but on yeah, the yeah. other hand there's another voice on the other side of my head saying dude life is finishing dude what are you doing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now exactly yeah and i've kind of i've had that sensation for most of my 20s i didn't have a uni because then i actually was too young to have that mindset but when i was fucking 21 22 i was thinking oh i'm getting older now Friends have got stable jobs. Yeah. I'm doing a journalism course. Ooh, wait until Ooh. they start buying their flats and their yeah. houses. Fuck them. And their cars and <laughs> having kids. Yeah. Oof, I'm totally there. Eh? My friends now, the ones who started and did it correctly as it's supposed to be, they are already like having healthy bank accounts, <laughs> you know? Jesus. And uh, travel. Well, they were traveling before this shit. Now. They're not, <laughs> which is an irony. I'm the one traveling yeah. because I have nothing to lose. I have no house and no kids and no mortgage, you know. Yeah, well. it's, a, it's an irony. It's an irony. But I, 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 I think it's important, the balance between the two of them. But in, more, in, in a more concrete way, like you want to keep writing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, one of the reasons I've stuck with journalism, as you mentioned earlier, is the fact that it can be... It can be meaningful. It can actually have an impact on society, etc., etc. So, yeah, th there's always the possibility that I will find a job at a better newspaper or I'll become a freelancer. And yeah, I guess I want to cling on to that. But then I do see a lot of people in their uh, mid 30s, late 30s who have just kind of stuck at the tabloids for over 10 years and just become these husks. What's these, a husk? Just a kind of shell, an empty shell of a person. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the environment. Um, yeah, it just kind of it wears on you. So uh, there's a risk with everything, isn't there? If I quit my job, I risk being poor and unemployed. If I stay in my job, I risk being a shell of a man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? What would you like to write about? You, because the world is definitely very interesting right now. Mm. You know, the world is, I would say, it's even more interesting than before. The world yeah. is changing. There's, there is COVID shit happening. There is the Brexit happening. Yeah. There is like so many things. So what, what would you be inclined to cover? Like if you were in a newspaper, in an ideal newspaper, and they tell you where, choose your story. Um. I've developed a very uh, bizarre fascination with the cartels. Really? <laughs> yeah. Mexican cartels or all cartels? Uh, typically Mexican. I th the, the scale of the violence never had never properly occurred to me until I actually went traveling there and started reading a lot more about it. And since coming back, because tabloid readers are intrigued by violence wherever it may be, <laughs> stories about cartels tend to do well. and. It just kind of fascinates me the, I suppose, just the, how omnipresent they are and the power they wield and just how that corruption is so deep rooted, I guess. So 
I think, yeah, part of me would like to maybe go to Latin America and actually learn Spanish and... You speak Spanish, man. We had... Well, yeah. We had conversations in Spanish. Proper Spanish, you know? Well, fluid, more more fast and more... Yeah, 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 yeah. More... Uh, yeah, more... I get it. Si, si. <laughs> si, uh, si, correcto. Si, tengo yeah. razón. And about, and about these developments that I was telling you here in England, you, you don't feel like involved in them um implicated yeah I, I suppose i do feel implicated but writing about the state of england kind of depresses me in quite a profound way because i'm english i guess and those stories actually you know will have an impact on me whereas it sounds a bit cold i guess writing about a country thousands of miles away isn't quite as distressing. You can distance yourself from it. Yeah, I see. Is it right covering the coronavirus so much is has been quite bad for my mental health during the lockdown. Why? And um, it just kind of compounds the misery. Just writing about what lockdown considerations the government is mulling next, or you know how many people have just died in the past twenty-four hours, and how the new strain is more deadly. Blah blah blah. Just. It, it kind of becomes the world outside, you know? That's reality. Yeah. Whereas... And, and there were months over summer where it kind of dipped off the news radar a bit and we weren't covering it nearly as much. And the world was kind of... <laughs> the world was brighter again suddenly. Obviously, you know, the weather helped and the facts, death rates had... I actually noticed so something much. during this coronavirus times. Yeah. that a lot of the people that I knew that were addicted to news because to be honest news for a lot of people are entertainment oh yeah you yeah, know yeah, yeah. and it's like, like sports yeah definitely and uh, I noticed that for a lot of people uh, it became boring because since news are only talking about the same now I, I noticed a lot of people who were addicted to news start, stopped following the news which yeah, I yeah, actually yeah, yeah. found I mean, I don't know for every case, but I'm talking about specific persons that I've met who I actually think it was good for them. It was like a change in their diet. Yeah, definitely. definitely. You know, and they became a little bit happier, a little bit more relaxed. Yeah. Ironically, because in theory, you read the news, yeah, the world yeah, yeah, is going yeah. like shit, you know? Definitely, man. And what do you think about this thing? What do you think about... How we're, where are we going? Do you think we're gonna we're gonna be an, another year like this? We're gonna be talking in a year, or you really or you feel it's finishing? I at the start of the year I was thinking, come April May stuff would be pretty much not back to normal, but like it was last summer. But then these new strains, uh, obviously pretty terrifying and. I don't know, I still think by summer with the vaccinations and the fact that so many people have had it, there must be a degree of, you know, immunity among millions of people, hopefully. I, yeah, I think I'm telling myself things will be fine by early summer, but the, the reality is probably different. Mm. Um, but a part of that is almost weirdly comforting to me. Not the death and destruction, obviously, but the fact I am um, 
it almost prevents me from having to make life decisions because mm -hmm. the world is stuffed and my house contract is up in March and I am moving in with another group of friends and if it weren't for the virus I'd be thinking shit do I want to stay in London no what am I going to do but now I don't really have a choice you know well you do yeah I, I do in a sense but if I were to change it up it's not the ideal time obviously no it's not um, I don't know there's, there's almost something quite familiar about the chaos now you know I, I understand I feel the same like I would be traveling through Europe now if it wasn't for this virus yeah but it's not happening because there is this situation these lockdowns and everything yeah. so I'm just gonna have to fly back to Mexico and to the known place you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's strange it's like if the reality was pushing me to the comfort zone when something inside of me didn't want to to go that yeah, way yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. definitely mm. interesting what you say i think a lot of people must feel must feel like this right now you know i think a lot of people feel a bit guilty saying it as well like i was saying earlier you don't really want to <laughs> you don't want to say that you are having a good time when you know there's so yeah, much suffering around exactly yeah it's yeah. not even having a good time per se it's just feeling more content I guess a bit more relaxed <laughs> because remember how the world was in the spring of 2020 I mean there was protests everywhere yeah there were insane. like a lot of, of unrest yeah and, and suddenly this thing came and just like chilled everything <laughs> <laughs> and let's see how long it lasts that's the thing yeah. I'm, I, it could be like a boil you know like a cook, cook cooker how you say a uh, pressure cooker a pressure cooker yeah. exactly it could be something like that that's only like <laughs> it blows i hope not i mean kind of seemed like it was gonna gonna blow last summer but what with the black lives matter protests and uh, in the u.s looming yeah. civil war in america which still might be on who knows um but uh, yeah we'll have to see I do wonder what kind of society will emerge afterwards. In a way, you are prepared, not only immune to the virus, but you're also immune to the chaos because of your work and, and yeah, the things that you true. have to, to research. I, yeah. I think you are kind of like ready to face whatever comes with humor and uh, peace. I hope so, yeah. I hope so. Tell me to finish. Tell me what do you think is the craziest story that you've covered in your... <laughs> In your years in the in the tabloid <laughs> world. Uh, um, oh god! Oh, there are so many. Um, so I, um, I, I think I may have told you about this already, but um, I interviewed a Kazakh bodybuilder who um, is attracted to anything. I, I can't remember. I think it's. Um, <gasps> It's not pansexual, it's some other classification. And uh, he met this sex doll in a bar back in 2019. He made a what? A sex doll. A sex doll? A sex doll. It's a, a sex it's a doll. doll. That you, uh, penetrate. He made a sex it's doll in, on in, a bar. In a nightclub or a bar, yeah. In How? The, why was there a sex doll on a bar? He never clarified. I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> so uh, he rescued the doll from the from the bar, and uh, they were dating for about a year and. Eventually, 
they were meant to get married towards the end of last year, but he dressed as a woman for this uh, transgender rally in the city called Almaty, and he was attacked. He was punched to the floor by these uh, thugs because Kazakhstan, I think transphobia is quite a big issue there, and it's not very accepting of the LGBT community. They have and, no uh, problem with the sex doll, but they don't <laughs> want him dressed as a woman. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And... Uh, they eventually got married in uh, November last year. I was speaking to him the next month and he uh, tragically revealed that she, uh, she broke days before Christmas. So he had, to, he had to spend Christmas alone without his wife, wow. which sucks. And, uh, but he's recently, um, he's recently started uh, sexually experimenting with chicken. Uh, and he's asked someone to send him a clone doll of himself when he was a kid, so he can have sex with it. And oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. How went, how that conversation went? Um, that was actually an Instagram post, but uh, there, there's a video if you, if you ever want you, to you, When you hear those stories, you suddenly feel, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> you know? I haven't had sex with any chickens. I don't want to fuck myself when I was six <laughs> years old. <you> know? <laughs> So just for the purposes of not libeling this man, I'm not sure of the, the age of the boy, but he definitely wrote boy. I don't know, maybe there was some mistranslation, but... Um, wow, yeah. okay. So that was, uh, that was pretty weird. We're already there. I thought we were not there yet, but we're already there. <laughs> All right. So, Thomas, do you know where we're gonna go get some chips? Down here, my friend. Is it here? No, down the road. Thank you very much. Closing thoughts. Investigate 